Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the off season. Uh, how how are you liking it so far? I'm I'm um, it is a barren hellscape full of sadness and death. Yeah, that's about that's about where I am. Right, I would say. Um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't know. Void of meaning. <laughs> empty of initiative. <laughs> I am uh, I am a a weeping soulless vessel. I would say. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you noticed, and don't tell us if you didn't, because it will make us more sad, <laughs> but we did not have an episode last week, <laughs> and I think it's fair to say, Alan, that the reason for that was that we were doing a little uh, eating of the feelings, yeah. Um, yeah, a little drinking of the feelings. We were working our way through some stuff. I myself did a, a little bit of what I've taken to calling sad shopping. You may notice a certain crisp clarity coming out of Hootenanny Studios this week. I sure hope you do, because I paid for crisp clarity. <laughs> Got myself a new compressor, ladies and gentlemen. It's just audio talk. It, you should pro- just skip this part of the podcast, really. <laughs> um, but it, it's really nice. Yeah. Uh, it's got it's got very entertaining meters. A lot of lights. Yeah. A lot of lights. A lot of bells and whistles. Yeah. Um, but... As uh, after our uh, actually a two week hiatus since we've done anything really new, because our last episode was a two part bit. Really, really have not been showing a lot of initiative lately. <laughs> we are here uh, on episode seventy, or as the French would call it, sixty ten, um, which <laughs> is the copyright episode. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, Baltimoreans, but seventy years is the standard time frame of a legal copyright. Uh, the legal community has decided, in their great wisdom, that 70 is just the right number of years to hold intellectual property. It's a great decision. <laughs> but since we're here at episode 70, we have a one-episode-only copyright-free zone, where we can obey our thirst for copywritten words or phrases with no fear of legal appraisal. And this is actually legally true. It gets better. Sitting here today, we are allowed to play the entire Beatles White Album if we so choose. We'd be legally allowed to whip up a a batch of Zyrtec if we had the ingredients handy. And for however long you are listening to this Baltimoreans TM podcast, (laughs) you're in good hands with our legal safety guarantee. In fact, if you're watching the Game 1 of the World Series uh, tomorrow on tape delay... As you listen to this on tape delay, you are allowed to rebroadcast, retransmit it, and share an account of the game, even if it is not within the express legal written consent of the Major League Baseball operations. (laughs) Such is the power of episode 70. Uh, So few people get to podcast 70 that it's a a loophole that's sort of written into the rules. We're in rarefied air. but only again, I want. I, I'd like to caution you only whilst listening to this episode. Don't uh, don't take this as a, as carte blanche in other walks of life. Um, something interesting about that rule I just quoted, actually, the Major League Baseball rule: uh, all rebroadcast, retransmits, and reaccounts of this game, without the express written permission of the Major League Baseball, are prohibited. Now that means legally. Um, 
we can't do this podcast. Oh, that that's very much true. <laughs> because we are reaccounting, we're recounting what happened in games. In fact, oh. it's illegal for me to come down, sit on a couch next to you, and explain in a detailed fashion exactly what transpired in last night's game without written consent from Major League Baseball. Really? Any account of the game, including my oral history or retransmission of such, is technically verboten. <laughs> so, who... <laughs> you just spiked my mind, Alan Smith. <laughs> I'm having a rough time with that one. It doesn't make any sense, um, and goes back to the uh, the the legal community and their wisdom. Now, now, hold on, hold on. You're saying that the 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 story of a baseball game is the property of Major League Baseball. Every part of it, rebroadcast, retransmit, or account of this game. So there not be shared without the written permission of Major League Baseball. There is a there is a beautiful and and brief moment in which baseball exists as communal property, which is the moment at which it is played. Right. And but, as soon as it as soon as it, it 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 reasonably moves into historical context. Now I don't know whether or not if you're in the fifth inning, it's illegal to talk about the first inning. It kind of sounds from what you're saying like it is. <laughs> well, but it's a reaccount of the game. So if the game is still happening, much like our episode 70 uh, theory, you know. Um, well, let, let's not go calling it our theory just yet because right, I'm right. still too confused <laughs> to take any ownership here. <laughs> but wait, so uh, like under that rule, that would mean that if Jacoby Ellsbury Yes. Steals second base. Right. The moment at which he's called safe, he loses ownership of that stolen base. Well, he doesn't because he operates within the confines of Major League Baseball and has rights to his own name and story. He's an employee. But he's an employee of Major League Baseball. And the same way that GameCast can, because they have a deal with Major League Baseball, they have written permission right. to reaccount the game. Right. However, if I were to start a town crier service mm -hmm. where after every home Yankees game, I went out to Times Square and did a live reenactment, uh, had an earpiece in and did a live reenactment of the game in an audio history griot sort of a way with guitars and wait, cymbals and wait. tambourines. Can I just ask, did you just think of this idea right now? Yes. <laughs> That's the best idea I've ever heard in my life. I would need express written permission from Major League Baseball to do that. Fuck it. It's worth the risk for you to do that. Alan Smith. There's something to do that. That's the best idea <laughs> that you've ever had. That, I mean, the mind races. <laughs> I think that oral histories uh, are actually the most compelling, interesting part of a game. In fact, I was listening to a, a Bob Costas interview recently. He's been on um, tour of a bunch of different podcasts that I like because he has a new... I guess, book coming out. Mm -hmm. um, but he was talking about the fact that some of his favorite things to cover, he, he covered the St. Louis Spirits, <laughs> which was an ABA basketball team that was in existence for two years and had some like just crazy names and crazy personalities on that team. And he said there's probably uh, uh, a cumulative 30 minutes of game tape that still exists from the, the Spirits in their entire existence. And Costas was saying that, in fact, Michael Jordan can never be legendary 
because we were all there and we can all watch every single thing that happened mm-hmm. in every single clip and every single part of his existence. Oh, yeah. Michael Jordan is, in fact, a very good basketball player who is, if we take the time to do it, correctly measured in how good a basketball player he is. The spirits were legendary. Right. They are only they only exist by word of mouth and by right. uh, uh, a personal recounting mm-hmm. and by sort of I was at this game and I saw this and I saw that. Yes, this is why this is why as baseball fans we feel such a strong bond with radio broadcasters. Right, and by and large don't give a good goddamn about television broadcasters except for the Gare Bear, <laughs> who we love dearly. <laughs> but but it's why we give Fred Manfred such a hard time. Sure, because sure. because. In the games where we're listening on the radio, our only knowledge of what is transpiring right. comes from his accounting of it, the way that he tells the story. And he paints a picture in, in black and white stick figures that <laughs> other people paint with a, with a full palette of, of beautiful, uh, beautiful colors. He gives us XKCD. Right. Where we, Actually, that is insulting to XKCD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I just think it's interesting that any oral history... Any retelling of a baseball game is technically against the rules of Major League Baseball's copyright experience. Wow. Um, and actually, in the theme of copyright infringement, October 23rd uh, in 1877 marked the official issue of the patent for the gas motor engine ah. to Nicholas Otto and Francis and William Crossley. Now, are you telling me? That the gas motor engine, which is used to power cars, yes, was invented by someone named Otto. That's what you're telling me. O T T O. No, I'm I'm not concerned with with no, automobile small details like that. Automobile. That is splendid. Oh yeah, that is a splendid fact. <laughs> we uh, we're full of them today. Not that I should be surprised at the presence of splendid facts in an Alan Smith intro. Baltimore on. Uh, you're home for news you can't use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I did? I did want to mention uh, before we move away from this from this intro is that you talked about how we could, with impunity, on this very episode, mix up a batch of homemade Zyrtec sure. <laughs> while playing the Beatles' White Album right. uh, over the air. Mm-hmm. I would submit to you, Alan Smith, that the only way to cook homemade drugs. <laughs> Is with Revolution Nine playing on repeat? Sure. In the background, I think that's true. Would you accept that? I, I would. I would accept that. Okay, good. Um, now we could we could we could we could cook up a batch of homemade Zyrtec any other day. We just couldn't call it Zyrtec. <laughs> ah, well, I wouldn't want to. I, I don't want to deceive my customers. Right, that's true. <laughs> Any more than I already am. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on episode sixty ten. Ep- episode sixty ten. Those clever little Frenchmen. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. They come up. They come up with cute ways of saying things. They call. They call toilets water closets. <laughs> isn't that? Isn't that civilized? That is. It's very. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, Alan, uh, I I wanted to note here at the top of the show, or really the middle at this point. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, most shows give you like a two minute intro. We like to, we like to hit you with a solid 11. Um, 
here here at the top of the show uh the thing i wanted to start off by talking about is should we mention that we are a member of the baltimore sports support network uh baltimore sports com. oh we were supposed to do that a while ago <laughs> uh, but we will sure we are a member of the baltimore sports support network let's not, you know what let's not rush into mentioning that let's give it a little while let's let it breathe let's build up to it yeah let's build up to it really i mean considering the amount of preparation i've done for this week <laughs> The the naming of our network is probably going to be the pinnacle of the show. Sure. So, so we don't want to blow our load early. Save the bullets. Save the bullets. All right. I'm going to edit out that part where we said we were members of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Okay. We'll get back to that later. Okay. Alan, uh, as you mentioned in your intro, um, tonight is game one of the 2013 World Series. Yes. Nominally, speaking of pinnacles, the pinnacle event of any given baseball season. Right. The beginning of the championship contest. We, by virtue of the fact that uh, we are sitting here unpaid <laughs> on a Wednesday night recording this podcast, right. are baseball fans. So I've been told. Or are we, Alan Smith? And this is the question I would like to pose to you this evening. Because I don't know about you, but the number of playoff games I've watched this offseason... I'm not afraid to say it. Zero. Hmm. The desire that I had to watch the World Series instead of sitting here and doing this with you right now. Zero percent. Hmm. What is that? That's weird. I have watched three World Series um, playoff games so far. Benedict Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't enjoy any of them. (laughs) You better not have. (laughs) Um, I watched the game that Scherzer was um, throwing a no-hitter for six innings only to lose on the Ortiz Grand Slam. Right. Which is a good game to have accidentally watched. (laughs) Um, And I watched one other Tigers-Red Sox game, and I watched one Dodgers-Cardinals game. Mm -hmm. Um, But to answer your question, I'm not a fan of baseball. Um, and, and maybe even less than yourself, your good personages, uh, I kind of don't like the game. I just like the Orioles. So you have said, <laughs> you have you have stated perfectly uh, exactly the reason that I wanted to talk about this. Because I think, uh, as you have correctly identified, I, I think have been a quote-unquote baseball fan for uh, more of my life maybe than you have. Right. But I am re- realizing... And I think maybe over the course of doing this podcast that I'm becoming less of a baseball fan and more of an Orioles fan. Yeah. And I feel surprisingly good about that. Um, and, and I think and so what I wanted to talk about a little bit tonight is maybe some of the reasons behind that. Um, hmm. And so one of the things that I was thinking about this is, you know, uh, you remember earlier in the year we we talked a little bit about my dalliances in the mlb fan cave competition and one of the things that was interesting to me to realize about myself during the mlb fan cave competition is that the whole thing was this attempt to um try to show yourself off as the most most excited baseball fan that exists in the world and the thing i couldn't help thinking the whole time that i was there was i don't want to be I don't I don't want people to know me as Mr. Baseball guy. Right. I want to I kind of want to be at home 
reading Rock Kubatko's articles about who's going to be the number five starter this year <laughs> and sitting here with you doing our show and like frantically scanning the TV for some like live feeds of spring training games. I don't, I don't really want to be like, um, trying to, to get, uh, Jose Bautista to tweet at me. Right. So that major league baseball can, um, uh, entice tourists to come to the MLB fan cave at some point this summer. Th- not that, and I realize the whole MLB fan cave is a very um, constructed idea of what a baseball fan is. Sure. But for everybody else there, they really, it seemed to me, very much bought into this idea that being in the MLB fan cave and watching all of the games at once every night for the entire summer was the ultimate baseball fan experience. And when I really thought about doing that, I felt like th- that would drive me nuts. I don't yeah. want to watch the Reds game. I- I'll watch the highlights afterwards, and I'm interested in general in the race in the NL Central. But I want to watch every minute of the Orioles game. Right. I want to hear Gary Thorne call it. Right. And I want to do it on my couch here, hanging out with you, hanging out with Jennifer, and making the jokes that we always make about the players, making the jokes that we always make about the way that things are called. Um, that is the experience for me. Sure. And so once that was over, I, for me, baseball season was over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I um, was aware that I was reverting to watching these games in the same way that I watch um, SportsCenter. Mm. That I'm just generally a fan of sports. Right. Um, and so we'll just sort of have them on in the background. We'll sort of check out and, and let that be something that sort of... You're talking about the playoff games, The right? playoff games. Yeah. That fills my need for, while I'm sitting alone doing work in my room, fills the need for some sort of background noise. Yeah. But is not necessarily um, something that I devote my time and, and effort to. An interesting counter, though to what you're talking about right now is that I have found uh, as someone who has pretty much given up on NFL football, mm-hmm. um, I don't really have a team anymore that I like. I mean, I sort of do, but uh, they've been bad for long enough that I'm not particularly interested. I was never that strong of an Eagles fan anyway. Um, I watch now with more of a mind to my fantasy players mm. than I do to a uh, uh, an allegiance to a team. And I think in some ways, the culture of me, the Facebook culture of personal uh, whatever, mm-hmm. has replaced in football my desire to watch and follow a specific team. And I will, in fact, watch and follow a series of specific players because they're connected to me, not because that they're doing well or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I will have rejected them by next year when I picked up a new set of players and my old players right. are just like are gone now. Right. That experience is, I think, polarly opposed to my Orioles experience mm. when um, I sometimes try to acquire Orioles in fantasy sports, but otherwise <laughs> uh, have never once made a decision that was viewing based on fantasy decisions over over Orioles decisions yeah yeah well I I agree with you completely I agree with you completely and like one of the things that uh I have realized as I have you know engaged to the degree that I have engaged with the playoffs and the teams that are competing in the playoffs is you know I'll go through and I'll look at their roster and I'll say okay this is the roster of a playoff team and how can we build this when you actually take a minute and do that it's 
you realize that it's ludicrous that you thought the Orioles were going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And that they were going to, even if they did sneak in, be able to sustain themselves over the course of a five-game series. Those are some good teams. These are impeccably constructed baseball teams. Yeah. And ours, it's not a bad baseball team. But the <laughs> idea that we thought that some unholy combination of Steve Pierce and uh, Wilson Betamit and Danny Valencia was going to get us by in the DH spot. All of these teams, that's not a conversation that they're having. No. Or, or if they are, that's the only weakness right. on the team. They don't also not have a clear number one starter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, they it, it just doesn't work like that. They don't also never get on base. Right. Well, that is one of the that is one of the uniform characteristics of the teams that did make the playoffs is there's a lot of 340 and 350 on base percentages yeah. pretty far down in those starting lineups. Yeah. Um but so I guess uh the larger point that I'm I'm sort of uh thinking personally is going on for me is um my excitement about doing this podcast and my real kind of like reawakening of addiction to the Orioles as opposed to just loving the Orioles in an ambient way has coincided with the other part of my life, which is very much focused on storytelling Hmm. and uh, has also coincided with a part of my life, uh, which uh, has found me saying to myself, I used to read novels all the time and then I stopped for some reason and now, whenever I have free time, I, I want to be reading a novel. I hmm. want to be reading a story. Or I want to be at a show in, very fortunately in New York, there are shows where people tell true stories on stage. And, and I want to be at one of those shows, either whether I'm performing or listening. Or I want to be listening to podcasts where that's what's going on. That's what I want to fill my life with is arc and narrative and the, the emotional buildup and payoff or lack of payoff that is so tantalizingly close to being what you want that you get from stories, which is exactly what I get from being an Orioles fan, hmm. 100%. But is not necessarily what you get from tuning into one nine innings of baseball. Unless it's an Orioles game. Right. Unless it's an Orioles game. And every so often, every very rarely, one nine innings of baseball, I would put forward that Tigers-Red Sox game in which... Uh, Tigers went up, or uh, Red Sox came back, yes. won it in the ninth. That was one in which it had a internal arc that was compelling. Yes. Um, but I, I see what you're saying, and that usually, if it's not contributing to this larger storytelling discussion, it's not really where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a big part of what happens for me with the Orioles is that it plugs me back into this... Um, larger kind of identity that I felt about myself when I was younger and baseball was a way for me of dissociating a little bit from this identity that I had at school which was like shy kid who's not in particularly good shape and is scared to talk to girls oh but he can play baseball right so he's okay right um and so it it the fact that like I have since then gone through whatever I've gone through and come to a point where I feel okay about myself um, and that the Orioles, too, <laughs> have gone through a similar process. Whatever they went through in the 90s and 80s and 2000s. Yeah. But that's, I, that's like a big part of where the bond comes from. 
you know? And once you take the bond away, and I think also as you get older and a little bit more cynical and you start to see things like exactly what you were talking about in your intro about how corporatized this environment has gotten, it's the bond that allows me to block all that stuff out. Yeah. It's the bond that allows me to block out all the incredibly problematic things about professional sports in the United States. You take the bond away and I have a hard time blocking those things out. Yeah. They become much more, much more present. So uh, a few months after the World Series is going to be over, um, the annual uh, baseball tradition of the next round of baseball video games will hit the market. Mm. MLB 14, the show. Can't wait. Probably going to hit sometime in January. Just so you know, my plan is to, like this year, buy it, play it twice, and then never open it again. <laughs> but you you are an avowed fan of these games. I I am, although I would say that, as we were just discussing, my my enjoyment of them is is decreasing. And is fairly Orioles-themed? Yeah. I mean, I only really enjoy playing those games if, like, you're over or somebody else who likes baseball is over, and I can play as the Orioles, and they play as who they like, and I can pretend for an hour and a half, however long it takes, that I am actually Brian Roberts. Right, right. I think that's very interesting, though, that piece right there, because I think that... I've always been impressed uh, with these games, and as they get more and more realistic, I get more and more impressed. Um, and it seems to be getting closer and closer to the to capturing the sort of precise experience of, of what it must be like to stand in against a 98-mile-per-hour fastball or the split-second hairspring reaction it takes to sort of field a line drive or any of those things. Um, but the games still leave me a bit cold, um, and I think it's because... Even in the uh, ridiculousness that is the, the this more and more realistic situation, you still see things like uh, when you and I play against each other, we average 17 to 20 strikeouts per game. Oh, God. Um, and, <laughs> On a good day. And, and, and you know, so, so that, that even within the realist, realism of the, of the simulation, you, you don't really get sort of... Yeah. An actual gameplay experience, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of suggestions for how we could change around MLB 2014. Ah, the good, show good. That I think would really help with that option. 2K, are you listening? Um, option one, steroid scandal mode. <laughs> now, this would only happen in over the course of a season. Uh-huh. Uh, -huh. uh as the season progresses and people naturally wear down, players get dinked and donked, um, the, the game does have an injury mode, right? Mm -hmm. If you are uh, succumbing to the daily grind or trying to recover quickly from a nagging injury, you can be given the option of paging Dr. Bosch, <laughs> uh, which will give you a boost in statistics over, a, over the rest of the season and help players recover quickly from injuries. But it does come with inherent risks. Uh-huh, I like where you're going. Once the suspicion starts, look out, especially those players putting up quote-unquote video game-type numbers <laughs> in terms of home runs uh, and possibly low ERA. Inevitably, in baseball video games, these happen. 
um, you begin to become under the microscope of fan suspicion. Yes, yes. Uh, you'd be forced, for example, to answer hundreds of versions of the essentially identical question between games before you'd be allowed to play again. <laughs> you just have to click yes or no to answer hundreds of questions as people shove microphones in your digital face. Wait, so you'd have to conduct a press conference. Right. I love it. Uh and then bef- once you do get on the field again, um, suspensions may follow, and if nothing else, your stamina would decrease dramatically from the exhaustion of being under this microscope in this fishbowl going forward. Um, and then in online mode, you could have, um, when your excuses and protestations become particularly unbelievable, a jury of your gaming peers <laughs> could interrupt your at-bats <laughs> with tweets and comments that would obscure your ability to see the picture. Oh my god, that's brilliant. And as you went further into the season, more of your in-game vision would be obstructed and it would be harder and harder to keep any successful hitting streaks going. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Another option <laughs> would be... Can I just say, between this and the Yankee Grio, you are just... <laughs> An innovator here this evening, Smith, which is especially funny uh, on an episode about copyright. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you get a lot, a lot in the hopper. Um, you could also, uh, I, I've sort of reimagined the manager mode. Okay. Now, they've always been in MLB 2014, sort of a, a, a franchise mode. Yeah. Where you are control in control, not only of the Baltimore Orioles, but of the entire organization, for example. Mm-hmm. And you manage AAA teams and you sort of procure talent and things like that yeah but it's always struck me that manager mode doesn't quite get at what it would be to be a major league baseball manager right (laughs) i can't wait to hear this so i can imagine playing as buck showalter Uh uh-huh as you wander the empty halls of camden yards after (laughs) everyone else has left late at night during an off day and tinker endlessly with starting lineups (laughs) Your OCD won't let you get to sleep until you've watched every single pitch of a young knuckleballer in single A and experimented with every right-left matchup for the next 24 road games in sequential order. So you may as well get through it because you're not going to get to sleep until you do. Two things I love about that. One, that is what is actually interesting about baseball is that <laughs> is that that's that's that is a huge part of the game that oh, kind yeah. of oh, those kind of machinations and we never see that so it'd be great to get to participate in that two buck showalter definitely does those things oh yeah like for sure he does those things absolutely and speaking of other people who definitely do these things you could play as joe madden <laughs> uh and construct players in your basement out of spare parts and <laughs> sawdust that will then go on to compete for the Cy Young the next season. Now, is this is this a separate Madden mode, or this it's is a, a separate, part of manager mode? It's a separate mode? Madden mode, because <laughs> the key to this mode is to corner journeyman players and overzealous fans so that you can administer the knockout chloroform rag, <laughs> and then drag them back into the dugout and choose the best bits for your ongoing construction of a catcher with a surprisingly high on-base percentage and a cannon for an arm. <laughs> project that you've been working on sort of in your spare time for the next homestand mm, yes 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 i imagine it's sort of like hitman the video game hitman uh-huh combined with uh operation yep that game in which you sort of get shocked when you were playing the board game as a little kid right um plus just a little bit of frankenstein's monster yes and and maybe just a drop of bioshock <laughs> 
in there yes, too. Yes. You know, and maybe you could you could have a similar thing where like when you're in Madden's laboratory, there's all these extremely disturbing pictures on the wall of like ways he's tried to combine people in the past that just failed. And then autographs of like David Price. <laughs> <laughs> Postcards from David Price as he travels the world with the New York Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this final mode isn't actually really a mode and it doesn't follow the theme at all. But I was looking at FIFA 2014. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, our, our other female listener, Jen Adams, mm-hmm. pointed out that um, they, they traded out one of the two announcers who has been with the FIFA franchise for a long time. Um, he was given the boot because of his blatant sexism. Plus, he demanded too much money from FIFA, so they kicked him out. Lethal combination. <laughs> it's a rough combo. They replaced him with um, Alan Smith. D- Congratulations. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, a former a former Arsenal player, um, and I believe he has some caps with England. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is an announcer in the sort of um, the British soccer scene, and he's one of he's the color commentator in FIFA 14. Uh huh. So uh, I have enjoyed the image of um, replacing what goes on in the baseball sort of uh, lingo. When you have when you have these games, you have uh, announcers who take the time and God bless them to do the voice acting responsible for essentially every single scene in oh, yeah. Major League Baseball. Yeah, which has really got to be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And actually, they're getting better and better at it. And most of the time, the commentary seems to be remarkably on point yeah and that's a very tricky piece of programming and it's very tricky to get sort of the emotion you have to say the same thing brian roberts reaches first base in 20 different ways yeah to account for different game situations yep i was imagining um what would happen if alan smith me got to sit in on a recording situation oh man some of the things that i would be putting into baseball games so the things i was thinking of and i'd love your your thoughts on this sure um I'll tell you what that curveball reminded me of, Joe. The way the Republican Party pulled the chair out on the federal government. Think <laughs> <laughs> they'd let me do that? <laughs> no. This week's call to the bullpen is brought to you by AT&T. AT&T reminding you that our social infrastructure is crumbling and what solutions we are managing to build a society are trending toward market-driven replacements which do not begin to address the ever-widening discrepancy between the financial haves and have-nots. <laughs> AT&T also reminds you that this call is being recorded by the NSA. <laughs> oh, this this would be fun. I would play this mode. <laughs> Mike Carp steps in against um <laughs> against Max Scherzer. Got to be a member of this year's MLB All Ugly Squad, right, Joe? <laughs> uh, and if he keeps that hair growing, he's going to be looking at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Oh, I would I would play this mode and I would expand maybe. I would expand so that not only could you play in Alan Smith mode, yeah, but you could play in the mode of your favorite podcaster from the Baltimore <laughs> Sports Report Network of which we are a member. There it is. There's your pinnacle. We're going to take a quick break. Baltimore, the home of the all-weather fan. This is Alan Smith. This is Sam Dingman. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'd like to get your opinion on something. 
And as we have told you many times before, you can contact us. We have so many ways for you to get in touch with us. It's kind of embarrassing <laughs> how easily we make it to reach us in this age where privacy is such a precious commodity. We've thrown that value to the wind in the name of listener interaction. So here's the question, which I'm going to take a long time to get to in a convoluted way. I have seen here in the fair city of New York a lot of people, and I commend them for this, walking around in Boston hats. And to those people, I say, good on you. Wear your Boston hat in New York. Not just because you should wear your home team's hat or the team that you care the most about in whatever city you're in, because the idea that you shouldn't do that is offensive and a violation of the First Amendment. <laughs> but also, it's delicious because the Yankees fans can't say anything. Yeah. Because they didn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah. It's great. But some of the people... Wearing Red Sox hats that I've seen are wearing the commemorative Red Sox hats from the 2004 and 2007 World Series with the patch oh. that says World Series. And to me, and I'm sure they're not doing this on purpose, nobody would do this kind of thing on purpose, that just screams bandwagon to me. Hmm. And it makes me wonder, why would you buy, and so here's the question, ladies and gentlemen, would you buy the World Series Orioles hat or would you buy the hat that is the hat they wear every day in every game that gets them to the World Series I think I would buy the World Series hat um, surprising answer for two reasons I'm not sure that I'd wear it mm. but I think I'd buy it and I think I'd put it on a shelf or on the skull or, uh, you know, some in some sort of um, for that, that, ladies and gentlemen, that sounded much creepier than it needed to. <laughs> Sam has a large plastic skull that often sports a Baltimore sports cap somewhere in, our, in his apartment, which is weird in and of itself. But it made it sound like Alan keeps a human skull in his home. <laughs> Just as a hat rack, you guys, it's not weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that I would buy it as a commemoration of what was sure to have been a delightful couple of months, which would have been that playoff run. Okay. I think I would continue to wear my Orioles cap that is a rank-and-file Orioles cap. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like it. I particularly like the idea. I've dreamed for a long time of having a wall-mounted hat gallery ah, of Orioles hats. A hallery. Through, uh, in the parlance of our times, it would indeed be called a hallery. <laughs> you're like non-stop <laughs> with the big ideas today smith it's it's really intimidating to me over here just dragging things down um but but to me it, it it's like i wonder if how, people how many hats does it take to create a gallery a hallery uh-huh um four okay four because then you can display them in a square how many is too many hats 84. Okay. Okay. So everywhere between 4 and 84 is reasonable. No, actually, I don't think... I don't think Between love and madness lies obsession. I think... Calvin Klein. <laughs> Alan, by the way, during the break, pointed out to me that there are four... In his typically brilliant intro, there are four corporate slogans stitched in... Can you in find them all? ...to email us about that, too. <laughs> Don't, forget my stupid question. Let's focus on the stuff Alan <laughs> no, no, has no, no, done. No, 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 no. Let's not. Let's not do that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's stay tracked here. <laughs> um, 
I, I think too many hats would be if you somehow got to a point where you had acquired every single hat that has ever been worn on the field by a professional baseball team throughout history. And I include in that independent leagues, Negro leagues. Oh, wow. Jap- uh, like Asian baseball leagues, European baseball leagues, uh, any and all minor league teams. And and within and obviously all major league teams. I'm also including within that batting practice hats uh, versus road hats, game hats, special ESPN Sunday night baseball hats. I don't even want to think about how many hats that is. That's in that's in the hundreds of thousands. So basically, if you get to the point where you're designing your own baseball hat just because you think you have an eye for graphic design, <laughs> slow down, buddy. The hallery is complete. Others did it better first. Fair. It's a fair it's a fair line. Okay, so but you wouldn't you wouldn't buy or wear a commemorative version because it feels like it is differentiated from the game worn um on field actual connection with the team version. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with I would buy it, I just wouldn't wear it. Mm. Because to me wearing it wearing it, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, wearing the World Series hat is not about being plugged into the story of your team. It's about it's about craving your team having success. And if all you crave is success, you shouldn't, as we have discussed many times, you should not be a baseball fan and you really shouldn't be an Orioles fan. <laughs> uh, because if that's all it's about for you, you're going to be an unfulfilled person. I say that as an unfulfilled person, <laughs> so I'm a hypocrite. Takes one to know one. No, my question, <laughs> though, is um, also just as a baseball fan, I feel like my team's in the playoffs, right? I'm the boss. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. Uh, let's say I'm get out of my house. Let's say I'm over 35. Okay, because that means I will have experienced. I will have really been seeped in pre 2004 Red Sox fandom, right? I'm not a. I'm not like a, a, a an 18 year old who doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think think that I would know better. Than to wear a championship hat whilst my team was in the playoffs because I would be afraid to jinx them. Mm. I wouldn't bring a championship hat out. I would say only go with the hat that I was wearing the last time we won it. Yep. And don't touch anything else. And the underpants. Exactly. Yep. And and if possible, you know, dig up the dog who I was petting and <laughs> <laughs> hang out with him. Like whatever it takes. This is why Alan has a skull in his house. <laughs> It's only crazy if it doesn't work. <laughs> Budweiser. <laughs> Where's that goddamn bell? Oh, that was too good for the bell. That's too good for the bell. It's back in the shop anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let us think. If you've been able to keep track of the question that we've asked you, right. which I don't think I ever even actually articulated, would you buy the hat? Would you buy the hat? Would you buy the championship commemorative hat? Uh, or the jersey, you know, whatever. Let us know. Baltimoreonspodcast at gmail.com, at bmorons on Twitter, 909ribwars, the Baltimoreons voicemail inbox. Lots of ways to get in touch. Um, and if you do get in touch, let us know um, why or why not you would you would purchase this thing. And this is actually, uh, for, for those of us, for those of our um, our listeners who have had more recent experience with this, um, e.g. anyone out there who was a Cardinals fan 
or a uh, a Red Sox fan or even a Yankees fan who um uh, uh, w- would you would you <clears throat> expand the question and say would you buy a uh, a t-shirt that says the number of championships that the Cardinals have won over their history or a 25 you know championship celebration Yankees cap um and if so why What's wrong with you? And how do you justify yourself as a human being? God damn it. You're <laughs> such an asshole. <laughs> we live in a place, ladies and gentlemen, which you know if you listen to the show. And again, I'd like to reiterate, Alan, I think we can actually retire, uh, you know, this 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 tired thing that we bring out sometimes of saying, like, I don't know if you've heard this episode in the past. Because the great thing is now we're at episode 70. If people are still around, like, they're in. You know, they, someone listening yeah. has heard all 70 episodes. Yep. And thank you, Jen Adams. <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> ah, but we live in a place, ladies and gentlemen, where people walk down the street in big pillowy jackets that have hideous, they're, they're just ugly jackets in the first place. It's like blue in the middle and then white pinstripes on the sleeves. So it always looks dirty on the sleeves and on the back. It's the a giant script number twenty six. Yeah, with twenty six stitched World Series trophies. It's championship porn that you pay the <laughs> Yankees to wear, and people walk around wearing this. Like, yeah, look at me, look at me in this coat. <laughs> ah, my family doesn't respect me. Uh, now I'm making assumptions. <laughs> Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have just one more thing for you, and that is uh, we loved doing our season shutdown episodes. We, yeah. we enjoyed them tremendously. We were so appreciative of the guests that we had from all of our Sister Wife podcasts from the Baltimore Sports Report Network, except for one. There was a scheduling snafu, and we were not able to get the good gentleman from Bird's Eye View on the show, but fortunately... Jake, from that esteemed program, wrote in and said the following in response to those episodes. Jake writes, Gentlemen, having been invited to participate in last week's Baltimoreans episode, I was emotionally wrought over my failures to do so. Apparently, scheduling and competence were not among my strong suits this week. Since then, I have stewed in my own regret and shame. It's exactly how we started this episode, <laughs> by saying we did that. Jake, it's going to be okay. Anyway, Jake continues. However, this did not diminish my enthusiasm, my breathless anticipation for episode 69. While listening, however, I, as is my way, developed a few gripes. And so I have taken to the email machine to air them. <laughs> One. Always a good decision. <laughs> One. I'm extremely uncomfortable to hear lucid thoughts from Dan Duquette. My understanding of our executive vice president of baseball operations. That That was weird. I I haven't really gotten over that either, actually. My understanding of our executive vice president of baseball operations, based solely upon his appearances on your show, is that he has the voice of Barney Rubble and the intellect of Dino. (laughs) Why, then, would he dare to make actual analytical points on the 2013 Orioles? 2013 retrospective be damned. I am simply not sure I can handle this brave new Dan Duquette world. 
I think of it sort of as like a stopped clock is right twice a day. It's one of those phenomenons yeah. where he just says a bunch of words and sort of like the infinite number of monkeys typing on an infinite number of computers, he eventually lucks into Nate McLeod. Yeah. Well, you know, he did at one point make what I thought was a very, very interesting case for why the Ichiro 4000 hit thing is bullshit. Oh, yeah. It was almost as though he had spent an odd amount of his day researching uh, Japanese baseball statistics. Um, but uh, that's just one I felt good about personally. <laughs> um, number two, Jake writes, you correctly, oh, you quote unquote correctly attributed the quote, quote, search your feelings, you know it to be true, to Emperor Palpatine from 1980's The Empire Strikes Back. However, I believe the seminal use of the phrase actually occurs on the beam overlooking the pipey stuff at Cloud City after... Spoiler alert, Vader reveals that he's Luke's father. <laughs> I, I wonder, think, do you think we just ruined it for anyone? I I can't imagine a dual scenario in which someone was excited to watch episode four <laughs> of Star Wars, episode five of Star Wars, and simultaneously was unaware of a crucial plot twist in that movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not a world that I... That and a world where Dan Duquette makes sense. Neither not which is a world yeah. I want to live in. Uh, Jake continues, When whiny Luke, as I refer to the character in <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, says that it is impossible, Vader pulls the phrase, delivering it much more dramatically and badass than his boss. Mm. But gentlemen... Now, I, if that's true, and I don't for a minute, a minute mean to suggest that Jake uh, does not have his Star Wars facts correct. Uh, to do so would be foolish. I'm not going to suggest that, Jake. You're on record as, as having far superior Star Wars knowledge to me. Um, but I don't have time to go back and watch all three movies. So mm. does that mean that chronologically um, that Vader said it first? In which case is Palpatine being a Lebowski-esque regurgitator of words? Or is it in fact Vader who is following in footsteps? How is your Emperor Palpatine impression? Pretty poor. Pretty poor? Yeah. What does he what does he sound like? He kind of sounds like uh the bad yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining him being like uh uh the Emperor abides or something. <laughs> I'm just envisioning a mashup t-shirt is my point. I think you're onto something here. This is my only good idea of the entire episode. <laughs> it's not a second amendment right, man. <laughs> is this a, you don't go out looking for a job dressed like that on a weekday. Is this a, is this is a, this a, what our Papa died? What is day is this? <laughs> ah, Jake, we've ruined your email. Um, anyway, no, no, but we have to keep going because it this this email ends so well. All right, back to it. Um, he says, but gentlemen, these complaints are not the only reason for my reaching out today. In fact, just the opposite. It seems that my missives are always full of complaints, corrections, and unpleasantries that, frankly, you don't deserve. So it is time for me to express my appreciation for you and your fine program. I tried to put my thoughts together into something that would make sense, but that's just not my style. (laughs) Instead, please accept my finest appreciations as lifted mostly from the bard. Shall I compare Baltimoreans to a summer's day? Thou art more witty yet more degenerate. 
Tough winds do make the darling games of May and Baltimoreon's episodes length all too short a wait. Sometimes too obscure, the reference from your minds, and often do I feel my intellect dimmed, when every fair from foul call accuracy declines, by chance, or umpires changing course, untrimmed. But thy all-weather fandom shall not fade, nor lose possession of that wit thou owest, nor shall off-season brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in the internet's permanence thou grossed. <laughs> so long as fans can click with earbuds in place, so long lives Baltimoreans to put a smile upon our face. Wow. I wow. am humbled by these kind, kind encomiums. Also full-on sonnet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sonneted us. Wow. We we just got sonneted. That's very interesting. Um and uh 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 makes me think of a series of conversations that Jake and I have had about um the potential for poetry in baseball. Mm. We'll, we'll be we'll be we'll be revisiting that in a later episode. In the biz, we call that a teaser. <laughs> Thank you very much Jake for that incredible email. Uh that that I would say is up there. Um, I, I would say it's a duel to the death for best emails we've ever received uh, between that and the one from uh, Matt Soroka comparing um, Major League Baseball's corporate structure to Brave New World. <laughs> True. I would also uh, just throw in there because it, um, we recorded uh, all of the last giant hour and a half long episode in one sitting. Mm. So by the time I got to listen to the second half of uh, of episode 69... I had forgotten how it ended. Mm. So I was just so happy by uh, Charlie Hoppus of the Baltimore <laughs> Spastics doing a beautiful rendition of To Dream the Impossible Dream Yeah, that uh, I would also put up there as one of the most amazing um, Orioles-themed uh, 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 entries into our, uh, into, our, into our mailboxes to date. Yes, all three of them better than anything we've ever actually done on the show, <laughs> I would say. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're curators. Yes, exactly. We are but your guides, ladies and gentlemen, into the Baltimore Sports Support Network, of which we are a member. Please, if you enjoyed this show, check out our sister wife podcasts at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Just click on Network. And we use some music on the show today. I'd like to tell you what it is, but I forget all of the titles and artists. No, I don't. I remember. Our we theme... don't have to tell them because we have copyright immunity. Oh, that was another thing I thought about when you were talking about copyright, huh. is, uh, boy, have we violated a lot of copyright on this show. <laughs> Just playing such songs as uh, Marshall York's theme song, Baltimore's. Actually, that's not a violation of copyright. He wrote that song specifically for us. All right. We're in the clear on that one. It's just the other 98% of our podcast, which are technically illegal. Goes downhill quickly after that. Uh, we used the song Birdland by Weather Report for the interstitial music. Not allowed to do that. And behind us now is playing the song Kicking My Heart Around by the Black Crows. Also not allowed to be using that. That's why we tell you about it every week, in hopes that if their fire-breathing lawyers ever hear this, <laughs> they will douse their flames in compassion. All right. <laughs> Talk to you all next week. Alan Smith, I've had a wonderful time with you as usual. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week.
Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com.